Welcome to the latest LPM podcast. This is Jack Trulison. I'm managing editor of LP Magazine. This podcast features Professor Adrian Beck with retail LP executives from Belk, Big Lots, REI, and Zebra discussing a new approach to addressing shrink called total retail loss. Research into this new concept was sponsored by the Retail Industry Leaders Association. As always, please review us on your favorite podcast platform and send us your feedback and suggestions to podcast at lpportal.com. That's podcast at lppportal.com. We are LP Magazine, and since 2001, we've been the leader in providing content and education for the loss prevention and asset protection industry, and we are known as the voice and authority of the LP community. Each episode, we'll be sharing and discussing the latest in trends and current issues related to all things retail and profit protection. You're listening to the LPM Podcast. The total retail loss concept offers a progressive and inclusive approach to understanding how retail risks impact profitability. This webinar will make the case for why adopting this concept will enable retailers to develop a strategic approach to both recognizing the true cost of retail loss and how to return value to the bottom line. To provide you with a little more information about today's presentation, let's turn it over to Guy yeah, here with Zebra. Guy? Thank you, Jack. Great to be here today with uh, some fantastic panelists. Uh, I want just to take a moment to uh, describe a little bit what we're going to discuss today. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, you know, loss prevention is being in retail for a while since retail has been started. Uh, but in the old days, loss prevention was much more reactive. It was focusing more on finding the bad guys that all of us wants to find and and halt, uh, and it was using any tactics that we could in order to police, if you will, uh, those bad guys, uh, both with tags, with spiders, with cameras, with a lot of guards, etc. About 20 years ago, uh, with all the data that we're collecting on the next slide, we'll see that you know loss prevention have been progressing, and combined the all type of loss prevention with a lot of data, uh, perimeters of data that you can collect using alarm data, uh, both EAS tag alarms, but as well as opening and closing the store alarms, uh, traffic information, idle information, uh, identifying more uh, information about ORCs uh, and fencing. Uh, loss prevention has been progressed but the progression, progression was about proactively identify still the bad guys, being able to look at shrink from an holistic perspective, but the leakage was still focusing on uh, you know, the intentional uh, theft type approach. Well, about six, seven years ago, uh, the RILA organization uh, approached Adrian, Professor Adrian Beck to look at it as stepping back and look at it more as a holistic approach, what we call you know, end-to-end losses, not just as you know, someone intending to actually steal something, but what about all the other loss? What about the waste? What about paper loss that, hey, we believe financially, we just incur losses, but the products are still owned by us somewhere and it's just in the wrong place. Uh, what about promotional execution losses that, hey, the product was not available uh, to be picked and therefore we're actually accumulating loss in other buckets of the organization. Uh, identifying them as more uh, malicious and non-malicious, known and unknown, and start putting them more in a bucket and creating a footprint or a blueprint, if you will, on how to identify all of those profit leakages uh, in an end-to-end -end arena uh, was version one and then version two. Um, next slide, please. So with all of that, what we've seen in the progression of both technology, organizational and procedural approach, we've seen a lot of improvement in margin overall from on-shelf availability and reducing of out of stock to un unknown loss that we could have prevented 
to inventory count accuracy that helps a lot of different areas, both promotional and execution, because I know what is on the shelf. Uh, case numbers increases, but the average case decrease, because obviously if you know that something wrong is happening, uh, you better stop it when it's in the $100 and not $100,000 type cases. So you have more cases, but smaller per case dollars. Uh, what about the recall accuracy, the waste reduction, and also looking backwards in the supply chain area, uh, all the way to manufacturing, or where can we reduce losses and increase margin overall, including reverse logistics. Next slide, please. And so the technology have been progressed to not just looking at an exception-based approach, not just looking at the teal, uh, where a lot of the all type loss prevention uh, I've been doing, but looking at it more holistically on inventory positioning, loss through the register, loss through compliance, loss through vendor compliance, and making sure that instead of looking at massive report, we turn it into actions and execution. So taking the information, turn it into knowledge, and from knowledge, just direct the right action to the right person making sure that the execution is there. And this is where, you know, Zebra has been uh, providing a lot of that capabilities to all of our customers. And I'm happy to have four of our customers today uh, on the panel with Professor Adrian back to discuss from theory, how we can take all of this greatness, uh, uh, paperwork around total retail loss and implement it in your uh, retailers uh, as a loss prevention function. And with that, I would like to hand it to Professor Adrian Beck. Thank you for being with us. Thanks very much indeed, Guy. It's a, it's a pleasure to be on this today. A good, good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are. Um, my name is Professor Adrian Beck. I'm an Emeritus Professor at the uh, University of Leicester um, and spent you know 30 odd years now um, trawling around the world of loss prevention, trying to understand it a little bit better, trying to gain some insights to understand what is going on. But crucially, I think, trying to help the industry move forward in terms of understanding about the issues it's got to raise. So I'm really looking forward to the next 50 minutes to really have an opportunity to chat with some, some experts in the field to talk over some of the issues around this, you know, how we got to where we are now in terms of thinking about total retail loss and, and what is the background and context of that. And then also, you know, hopefully being able to chat a little bit about how does it work in practice? You know, what are the realities of trying to get this, this thing going um, in, in organizations? But before, I, before we do that, let's first of all, just have a moment to introduce our various panelists. And first of all, Pamela, can you just introduce yourself, please? Yes, good morning, good afternoon, everyone. Thank you, Professor Beck and Zebra for allowing me to participate in this panel. I'm excited about what we'll review today. So my name is Pamela Velos. I've been with Belk three years. I am currently the Vice President of Asset Protection Safety and I also have store operations. So the asset protection role covers supply chain, home office and stores, and then I focus on store operations. So that's three years with Belk and before that I was with Macy's for 25 years. And you were, you were a store manager there, weren't you Pamela, for a while at Macy's, is that right? Macy's, I, I started from the uh, sales associate and I worked my way in every position that you can imagine up the asset protection uh, world. So if, if in asset protection, I've probably done that job in some way, shape or form. Excellent, That's great. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing your insights, Pamela. Let's now move over to Bill, Bill Bilinzio, formerly of, of Walgreens and now working with Zebra. Bill, do you want to just briefly introduce yourself a little bit about your background? Sure. Thank you, Adrian, and, and good morning, good afternoon, everyone. Uh, as Adrian mentions, I'm Bill Enzio. I was 15 years with Walgreens and a customer of Zebra, leading a variety of the support center functions for the asset protection division, and recently joined Zebra uh, in January in a role where I'm leading the global retail technology strategy for Zebra. So really focusing on solutions that uh, need to be developed or invested in that are solving the challenges that you are all facing every day and ensuring that we're focused on the right problems to solve. Great, thanks, Bill. How's it, how's it going on the dark side? <laughs> it's great, great. Zebra is a, it's a great group and um, I'm, I'm learning a lot, that's for sure. Good There's a lot to take in. Excellent. Let's now just quick, quickly introduce our other two. So, so Robert, do you want to just briefly introduce yourself, please? 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Robert Lacamari, I'm a vice president of asset protection and safety at Big Lots. Been there about two and a half years now. Had a 25 year stint prior to that at the Asina Retail Group slash L Brands. Uh, it's a long journey, held many roles uh, as well, very similar to, uh, to Pamela. Currently over um, the traditional asset protection and safety in stores, distribution centers, corporate office. Um, in addition, also have e-commerce fraud uh, as well as crisis management. So, hey, Thanks, Rob. I noticed you started out as a store detective. Yeah, back in the day, a lot of us have that same story of trying to pay bills through college and then getting good enough at it to say, well, I can put everything else on hold, see where this leads. And so, yeah, it was a, it was a great, great ad that I answered and uh, you know, been at it ever since. Yes, you never know where it's going to take you, do you? When you when you when you start out in that sort of direction. And finally, over to Seth. Last but not least, Seth, Seth Hughes from REI. Do you want to just quickly introduce yourself? Yeah, thanks, Adrian, and hello, everybody. Um, I'm Seth Hughes. I've been at the co-op for uh, just over three years, uh, and I support the enterprise uh, asset protection, business continuity, and health and safety pieces. Before that, I was at Walgreens with hanging out with Bill for a while. Um, and uh, all in the asset protection world. Uh, and before that, I spent uh, the greater part of my career at Target doing very much what Pam and, and Rob were doing, working my way up in different uh, store operations positions, HR, but don't tell anybody, and then uh, finally asset protection. Yes, we won't mention that. But you, you also did, you've done, done some stuff around om, omni-channel loss as well, haven't you? That's, that's, a, that's a piece that you looked at for a while, isn't it? When you were, was it Walgreens? Yep, yep. We started at that at uh, Walgreens and uh, found that to be exceedingly beneficial and, and brought that to the co-op as well. And it's becoming, you know, a much bigger issue, isn't it now as, as you know, the, the whole e-commerce piece has, has taken off around the pandemic, hasn't it? Yeah, the ties between the brick and mortar and, and the uh, digital is, it's, it's absolutely there. No, no reason not to combine those two functions. So there we go, folks. That, that's our panel for the day. Um, I didn't quite add up all the years of experience, but I think it's heading towards 100 years, I think, of experience, although they're all looking very well on it at the moment, I have to say. Um, now, I've got a series of questions that I'm going to, uh, going to ask our panel. But as, as we're going through this, as Jack mentioned um, at the beginning of this, if you have got any particular questions that come to mind as we're going through this, then please do post them into the Q&A box in the in the zoom facility and i will endeavor to try and um, feed them into into our panelists as we're going along so anything come to mind please type them in and i'll um, try and moderate that as we as we go along but we're going to have a hopefully a fairly free flowing discussion around a whole series of issues and i promise that we're not going to talk about the pandemic won't that won't that be a breath of fresh air not to have to talk about the pandemic around this issue um, and so i really want to start out by you know, trying to put the, 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 the total retail loss concept into, into a little bit of context in terms of where is it come from and, and why is it becoming, I think, more important. And, and my starting question for, for, for this is really, you know, let's ignore the last 12 months. Let's pretend the pandemic hasn't happened just for the moment. We know, we know it has. But I, I want to start off, Pamela, can you, can you sort of kick us off really and just give us a flavour, I think, of what, what, what have you seen in, in, in terms of the change in the retail landscape in the last, you know, five five years or so, that that has really, you know, has been very noticeable. You around sort of risks and opportunities, and perhaps the environment itself. Yeah, you get great questions. So, yeah, the change has happened pretty significantly, and over uh, over um, the period of time of five years, sure, we've seen that ramp up. But with the last couple of years, we've seen big changes. And when we talk about risk, if we think about physical plant risk. Um, what I've seen over time is increased in violence, right? What we're dealing with within the, the locations, the attitude um, of the general public toward, towards any, um, any position of authority has made us adjust quite significantly on how we respond, react, and rightly so. So physical plant risk, increase of violence. And then, of course, ecom. We've talked about it already before we even got into the questions, but ecom continues to change the landscape. That's a plus for us in brick and mortar. That's omni-channel versus single channel has changed the entire landscape of how we sell, how we service our customers, um, and then how we respond to potential opportunities for loss. So that's something that's been very exciting and um, just right there on the front page. As far as our environment, I think the environment has given us a unique opportunity to be on the forefront of a diversity inclusion initiative. 
our environment and where I think loss prevention and asset protection has always been the first person, person or group trained on this. We have a big opportunity to really self be self-aware, uh, jump in at every opportunity to participate in these, learn, lead. I can't think of a recent time where we as AP professionals ha have had as big of an opportunity to make an impact or meaningful change as right now. So if you're thinking about e-com, you're thinking about DNI, physical plant changes, how we service our customers, um, that just leads to a lot of great opportunities for those of us in this field. So uh, we have an opportunity to elevate asset protection, our loss prevention um, executives. We really have an opportunity to shift to profit protection, really being on the cutting edge of where can we save our company's money um, shift and roll um, our attitudes of influence to make sure that we're driving all of those key factors that you outline in your uh, your papers. So I think as long as we understand the importance of what's important to our company and we rationalize those things with them to drive business changes um, and identify the little loopholes, that's that's where the opportunity is. So yeah, a lot of risk, a lot of environmental changes, but a lot of opportunity for us to drive forward. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, Seth, if I, if I can just come to you around this, which is, you know, I think we've seen this layering on of additional types of risk, haven't we? And we've already mentioned e-commerce, but that's that's really opened up the requirements of what the LP department's got to do, hasn't it? You know, it's really shifted from, you know, you know, from the early days when it was, as, as, as Guy mentioned, you know, this very sort of, you know, sort of unicentric focus upon just the offender perhaps in a store to this now much broader palette of risks. Yeah, I think Pamela was, was well stated there. The only add I would have is it, as I see our teams get uh, better and better with data, right, and understanding that data, and I also see the behaviors of our teams, we're, we're great problem solvers, right? We see that with all these other types of risks that we have. When you intersect those two concepts, to me, that's the core of why we have the capability and the, and the growing skill to be able to go after total retail loss, right? And take our skills from helping with shrink and all these other external risks and applying that same framework that we use to that into these other areas. Because at the end of the day, they're all problems and we're great problem solvers. So why wouldn't you use those two things together to be able to bring profitability uh, even better uh, for your organizations? Yeah, you know, I think that's a really good point, Seth, because, you know, I've always thought about, you know, that you, you guys have to deal with you know, unknown loss, you don't know what the cause was often. And that's, the, you know, that's really difficult, you know, in terms of go and solve something where I'm not going to tell you who did it. And actually what you see perhaps with this change in the landscape around e-commerce is you've actually got more opportunities to understand what that loss is. And so you're bringing this skill base from dealing with something really difficult to say, well, okay, you know, I can use that skill to, you know, to, to try and improve the organization in other places. That's right. Well, can, can I just come to you because, you know, you've seen retail go through a lot of change, haven't you? You know, that you know from from what stores used to look like and how they were run. You know, what are the big changes you've seen in terms of the retail environment and the way that that impacts upon risk? Yeah, it it again to piggyback on on both Seth and Pamela here. Our teams out there, um, it's it's leadership, their ability to move the needle and change behaviors in stores for those that don't report to them. And what we're seeing change is the expectation that because we're good at that, because that skill set exists and we solve those, we're those problem solvers that Seth mentioned, and they have the ability to influence behaviors and, and lead people. Um, it's been asked that, that we expand that footprint into some of the things that are driving our business, curbside and, and BOPIS and e-commerce and the explosion there. When you find skew accuracy issues and on hand cancellations, how can we, we've been looked to in the past year to say, hey, how can you help us solve these things? You guys have some tools that data mine in fraud. Is there some things you can help us with that exist? And or while you're there, can you look at this? And it was well-timed with a lot of the initiatives that we wanted to bring. And you know, it's, you know quite a bit of it is there's got to be an appetite by leadership for it. So all of those changes that we documented, the right leaders, the right tools, those are how you make a difference, recognizing what you need to do, how you, how you can have that influence and make a difference in profits beyond traditional, you know, the blocking and tackling of shrimp. Yeah, sure. And, and, and Bill, you know, you, you know, one of the sort of, 
I see often see as the opportunities is, you know, we've seen a dramatic change haven't we, in the capability of technologies in, in how we can begin to not only understand risk, but actually respond to risk in there. Haven't you? And, you, you know, I know you've you've spent a lot of time, haven't you, sort of thinking about how we can utilize technologies. Well, you know, have you seen some big changes around this? I'm sure you have. I have. You're right. And, and arguably, I'm spending even more time thinking about technology yes. now. <laughs> And it's true, Adrian. The, the reality is, if I put my retailer hat back on, um, to, to the point that, that the group has been making, we were leveraging solutions like analytics and leveraging data and technology to really dig into the information that is, is available in every retailer en masse, large, large amounts of data, and studying that data to the level that gave us an understanding that would allow for very targeted action to be taken. And so it's it's really about finding where the issues are, really understanding what those issues are, and then being able to leverage technology, leverage data to push targeted actions that deliver value specifically around the issue that you've, that you've identified. And I think, and Rob started to touch on this, it's interesting in the last you know, 12 months, especially with the explosion online and the um, criticality of inventory accuracy and inventory management, Folks in the APLP um, industry and in that in that line of work are have been studying inventory forever, and so we became very well positioned to help enable the the um, retailers that we work for to drive incremental value into their online businesses and talk about an opportunity. Here's an opportunity to not only continue to help leveraging data and technology to reduce loss, but also leverage those same tools and skill sets to drive incremental revenue and value into the, into the retailer's environment. I think that's been a big opportunity. It's still a big opportunity from the view that, especially the new view that I have, you know, it's, it's certainly something that many retailers are currently trying to work through and, and rightfully so. There was a, an urgency to stand up many of these um, online pickup programs quickly. And now it's time to kind of take a look back and figure out how we can optimize some of those really critical components like the inventory accuracy and making sure that the products are there for the customer when we when the retailers say that they are. Yeah, I think that's right. I think this leads on to my, I'm going to put, put these um, two questions up at the, some of these other questions up at the same time, which is, you know, one of the, one of the challenges I often see is that the way that people perceive your role in your own organization, you know, this, this sense of, you know, you know, are you an ally? Are you seen as a police? Are you sort of sales prevention people? You know, which is often these phrases that we've had to live with in the past, isn't it? That you must have heard. You know, how do you go about trying to, you know, educate your businesses to understand the value that you can bring? Um, what, what, what are the what are the mechanisms that you're using, particularly as your as your role is growing? And Seth, can I can I come to you first on this, just in terms of, you know, how do you try and build that relationship within the organisation? You know, to to try and help help them to understand what you're doing. Yeah, I, I think um, I think I might uh, break your promise of talking about uh, the pandemic here, but I'll try to just minimize it, Adrian. Um, you know, we were <laughs> at the co-op. We were on a journey from being the policeman um, to uh, being a true uh, support partner um, for the organization. And, and in some areas, we did a great job, and in some areas, we were a little bit farther behind. Um, the quick mention of the pandemic, because we also have health and safety, because we also have business continuity. That was an absolute, you know, uh, explosion, right, uh, of their concepts. Uh, and, and finally, folks understanding, ah, I see that you guys are not just worried about theft and fraud. You are, uh, your, your holistic approach to everything is, is, um, is definitely there. And some great comments from senior leaders at, at our org too, um, that finally had that light bulb turn on of like, oh my gosh, there it is. But uh, just to get a little bit tactical, when mm -hmm. I help folks understand uh, total retail loss in that concept, I find that it's really helpful to talk about the three lines of defense. And for those of you that might not know the three lines of defense, it's a standard risk management strategy and tactic the first line being the operational team. I'm gonna circle back to that in a minute. The second line being asset protection teams, loss prevention, your HR teams. Uh, and then the third line typically is internal audit. But if, um, if you explain that concept to folks and really focus in on that first line of defense being the operational teams, I found that both here and uh, at Walgreens, 
um, that is beneficial to help your operators understand that it is their job to look at that risk, right? When they're coming out with a brand new idea um, that is uh, going to be fundamentally changing for the organization, um, or even if it's a simple idea, right? They have to look at risk as well too and understand it and help mitigate that. Um, so the framework of total retail loss really helps folks understand and quantify uh, the potential loss and risk that their idea may have. So hopefully that that made sense. Yeah, no, I think that's helpful. Pamela, you, you mentioned about sort of trying to you know, educate the business about this. And, and, and what are the sort of the techniques that you're adopting to, to, to make them realize the opportunity, as you mentioned it, you know, that, that you can bring this value? How do you go about doing that then in, in, in a company like Belk? It's interesting as you started the journey, I did pull to together a committee back at the end of 2019. And of course, we, we're not talking about 2020, but you know, it, it broke apart a little bit at the beginning of last year. But what I found critical with um, driving it, talking to partners about it was really to get some executive sponsors uh, that believed in what you're doing. And I found it to be really important, especially to have somebody in IT um, and in finance, because then you're working with the two people that understand systems that can get you the information and the other person that really understands what you're talking about with the numbers. So those two groups were completely critical um, and, and being able to do your homework in advance to show ROI. Um, and I found over time that if I was passionate about something, I might've been wrong over time thinking that was gonna be our biggest ROI and really had to look a little bit broader scope and prioritize how we were gonna focus on what to go after to be able to get that buy-in from our executives. Um, the other thing that really helped like, like Seth spoke, spoke about was there was a lot of what we did as an asset protection team going into the pandemic that showed how operational we were. So about halfway through the year, I ended up absorbing uh, store operations under my title as well. And that's been hugely beneficial for um, me to be able to talk to both of my groups about um, that risk and the loss and wherever it, um, it happens within the business. It incorporates all of those views as we roll things out or as we drive different processes. I think that over time, that has shown the operational side of asset protection and then allowed that natural migration into, well, let's look at both of these worlds together. Yeah, yeah, I think that's, I think that's absolutely right. Um, and, and, and Rob, you know, in terms of, you know, one of the concerns often we've seen with loss prevention, uh, talking to Pamela's point there, is, is how do you get a seat at the table? You know, often these decisions are made, aren't they? And then suddenly go, oh, crikey, we forgot to mention it to loss prevention and we'll have to mop up after we've done all this. You know, what, what, what have you done around, you know, Big Lots trying to, you know, make sure that your voice is heard, but also that people appreciate that, that your voice has got value? Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of the key components when I got here a couple of years ago was how to make sure that the appropriate influence of what we had to offer was recognized. Uh, about a month before I started, we had a new CEO start and uh, he brought in, um, as often is the case, a, a couple of leaders. And so there was a fresh perspective. And so I was, I was lucky in the timing of that so that the conversations of total retail loss were really within the first six months that I was there, something that I, I wanted to get my arms around and, and implement. Uh, we also uh, had, and, and there was a lot of interest in it, but there was still a bit of skepticism because, well, we want you to keep your eye on shrink, right? We don't want you to take on too much. Are you sure you're still new? And, uh, and you may remember this in Denver while I was standing next to you, uh, we were talking, uh, not shockingly, at the bar, enjoying a drink after the sessions. And, uh, and uh, I got an email from the consultants that had been working within our business for the past six, six weeks, stating that they wanted to meet with me to talk about total retail loss and how we can implement it. And uh, it was one of the SVPs in finance said, hey, you've been beating this drum and these consultants have called this out. We should probably meet and talk about, you know, what's the opportunity there? Um, and then the third part of that was we, we had some, we were in the middle of shrink results and we had some pretty favorable shrink results. So it was a little easier, the appetite for them to say, yes, we'll let you raise your hand to take on more with your department while you're taking care of what you're traditionally responsible for. Yeah. And then as we started to layer things in, 
um, we started to gain traction and allies and trust. And so then if we wanted to add something else, there was this belief that, you know, we were going to deliver, we weren't taking on too much. And so there's been a, a couple of dominoes that fell that were you know, serendipitously in place for us, but we also had the right message at the right time. And most importantly, the right leaders to execute it in the stores. And so we've been on a, a path since that um, first meeting that I had to now, we've expanded the different categories, the goals, different people responsible for it, et cetera. I'm, I'm glad you remember, because normally when I'm talking to people at the bar, I usually can't remember what we said in the morning, but hopefully you wrote it down at the time. <laughs> Bill, can I just come on to you? Because, you know, one, one of the issues I've often seen, you know, with organisations is, and I described it in the, the shrinkage life cycle, where you see these organisations going round and round in terms of having high loss, then low loss, then high loss, then low loss. You know, and this challenge of how you try and get the, the organization to not only prioritize it, as my question is suggesting there, but how do you get, how do you make sure that organizations, retail organizations, maintain that focus on the problem of retail loss? You know, I think I think it was a couple of things for us, Adrian. You know, one was bringing the awareness and visibility to the broad spectrum of losses and costs that you can you can highlight with a total retail loss framework was a big component of us, let's say, getting the attention of the organization. Because for the first time, we had done the work to go through and not just highlight losses such as shrink and waste and the more traditional theft and fraud types of, of metrics, but we went across the framework and down pretty deep to pull out some, uh, some loss figures that were candidly surprising to folks. And so that got people's attention because it, it begs the, the fair question, which is, why haven't we been focusing on this? Or if we are, who's focusing on this? And let's go figure out what they're doing and if they need some help. And, and what we found was that there are opportunities for more focus. And really what was missing prior to us bringing the framework to, to bear was to be able to show folks where that focus was needed. Once that happened, the prioritization kind of happened naturally after that because you, you really can't ignore it. And especially as we went through the review of the, the framework, we started to tabulate where are the, the pockets of value that we can bring forward. And what you start to find out, if you take, especially if you take shrink and kind of move that to the side for a minute, because that's been worked on for quite some time, you start to realize that a lot of the other losses across the organization are not only non-malicious, but they're self-inflicted in many ways, unintentionally, of course, but they're re a relation, you know, a, a result of a system or a process that is having an unintended consequence. And when you look at self-inflicted losses that have significant value, that makes the, the discussion completely change tone because now you're talking about something that, frankly, it's incumbent upon you to take action on because this is something we can control. And in fact, that became our, our tagline and I realized we didn't invent this, but it, it, we did um, land this in, with some stickiness at Walgreens, control the controllables became kind of the guiding logic of our total retail loss efforts. Let's focus on what we can control and let's make sure that we spend a lot of time and effort on that. Yeah, I think, no, I, I think that's right. I remember you saying that to me when, when I was developing this, which was, you know, focus on the controllable, you know, the, the things within your organization that you have you know, control over, the ones where you should start. And I think that's a, it's a very good point to make. Which, it leads me on there nicely, I think, in terms of, you know, I, I've had this sort of burning question that I'm now going to ask you folks, because I, I rarely get the opportunity to ask this. But, you know, as a researcher, I've, often struggle to get organizations to tell me what their shrinkage number is. It's, it's, it's one of these very secret numbers, isn't it, within retail organizations where it's incredibly rare that somebody will stand up on stage and say, you know what, this is our shrink number. And I just wonder whether, you know, whether you could reflect upon, first of all, you know, why, why this shrink number has been so dominant, but secondly, why have retail organizations perhaps been so secretive about sharing this with others you know what is it about this that has, has made it something that is you know extremely difficult to share with with outsiders and Pamela I'm going to start with you on this one what's your view around why 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 shrink being dominant and why will nobody talk about it in public or at least the number <laughs> this is my, my view of the number is you know most of us uh, measure shrink, shrink through a percent of sales and if you give your shrink number and your percent and you know exactly what sales are. So I think we protect that a little bit if, um, if it's not a publicly announced uh, piece of information. So that's, that's just my overview. But living through the last year, I've learned how much we share 
with each other as um, uh, an AP, AP organization. Um, it's, we obviously don't share confident information, but I've reached out to so many partners over the last year regarding safety, civil unrest, COVID, anything, anything and everything that's happened this year. I have never had a single partner not share information with me to help us as a group grow and make sure that we're protecting this retail industry. So I think that, that one piece may be a little bit sensitive, uh, but for the most part, I don't think we have other groups that share as widely and as, um, as trustingly as we do. So what's your shrink number? <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> Percent of sales. Yes. <laughs> Rob, what about you? What, 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 where's your view around why, you know, why, why it's always been this rather dark number within the industry to, to, to talk about? Yeah, similar reasons to, to Pamela. One thing I'll add is that the way everybody calculates, it's a little bit different. And so I think there's a hesitancy of people are going to view me based off of this number. But if they knew how volatile our AUR, average unit retail was or shrank and how when we take markdowns impacts that number, um, then they would understand that that's a better number than what it might sound because of industry standards when you take a look at things. And so we all know we get the number. That's just the beginning of the analysis. And it never tells the true picture. So just giving that number, even if you could, um, would still need to have all of that added color. So without that, people would be reluctant to say, hey, I'm, I don't have time to give you the 20 minutes of detail that you need to understand what that number means that, that I get with the history of my company. And then you also have you know, businesses that, that take it at cost as well, too. And it's complete apples and oranges if you're trying to compare and so I think all of those pieces to the puzzle weigh into why it might seem like there's secrecy. But I'll, I'll echo the, the, you know, by nature, you know, asset protection, loss prevention, we've been a, a group that had been connected for years and either at conferences or calls or so forth, but never has that been more evident than the year of COVID. There isn't anybody that hasn't been able to reach out. I know I've, I've leaned on so many, on not only of my peers on, on, on the panel here, but outside of it repeatedly. And, uh, and there's no secrecy there. We're all fighting the same fight with all of the other different issues. And I couldn't believe the cooperation that we've received from, from all of my peers and partners out there and learned so much over this past year. Yeah, it has, it, it has been incredible, hasn't it? I think, I think we, we're, all, we're all very concerned about using these online platforms, but actually I think that it's transformed the way we've been sharing information across the industry. It's been extraordinary. Bill, very quickly, and then on to you, Seth. Just your quick thoughts around this this thorny issue of the shrink number and sharing and declaring and boy, very quickly in me, I don't think those two things mix, Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll say this: I 100% I agree with with uh, what both Pam and uh, Pamela and Rob have, have said. I think the um, the the fact is that there's probably an opportunity to be discussed, and maybe this is a little selfish, but. Um, Something that I was pursuing at Walgreens, right, when I joined Zebra was this notion of, is there a way for retailers to control for the differences in shrink calculations and share their information anonymously, but re geographically, regionally with some type of a third party that would be able to take all that and aggregate it, anonymous, anonymize it, and allow for the visibility without the who it is, right? So you would be able to zero in on that because I, I do think that there's an opportunity to try and get around some of the, the inherent um, notions that they can't, we can't share the, the shrink number because we can't share any of the other numbers. And so we can't share this number either. I, I do think that there's, there's an opportunity to try and find a way to do that in a, in a way that's agreeable and comfortable for all of the retailers that can drive a greater awareness and collaboration, frankly, that we, we do enjoy in the asset protection division um, regularly with a variety of other focus areas. And it's just one of those areas, and it's what you're calling out, it's one of those areas that haven't, hasn't quite gotten all the way there yet. And I wonder if there's an opportunity to, to put some work behind that so that that becomes a solution to that problem. Very good, thanks, Bill. Seth, very quickly, tell me your number. <laughs> yep, the number is, uh, it's psychology as well too. So Rob kind of said it um, already that, uh, you know, th there's, it's complex um, of, of what we're doing and how we're doing it. And then also, if you have a number that's higher than what you want it to be, psychologically, are you willing to share that with other folks when you know it's an opportunity? 
Probably not, right? If we're being honest with ourselves. So that would be the only thing I would add. Otherwise, everyone else was right on. My All opinion. right, folks, I'll, I'll, I'll take your excuses. I, can, I, I, I always find it remarkable that when I can go into a company's annual report and find extraordinary amount of detail on the numbers relating to sales and how the organization is structured and so on and so on and so on. And there's never a word about shrinking those annual reports, but there we go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hold my beef at that moment, but let's move on uh, to the second part of this and really begin to think about total retail loss. And I wanna just very quickly get a sense of, you know, each of you have, 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 have had a go and, and begun to think about utilizing this concept within your organizations. And, and I wanted to quickly just get a sense of, you know, of, of why, you, why you took that decision. And I think, I think you've reflected that already in some, of the com- in some of the comments you've made to my earlier question. But Pamela, you know, what, what, what inspired you initially to, you know, to begin to think about using this within your organization? I think that uh, being being fairly new to Belk when I first uh, picked this up was my opportunity to change the narrative um, of the definition of the loss prevention team and mm-hmm. what we were capable of and what we could bring to the table. Uh, we were doing the traditional roles of investigations and um, ORC, uh, you know, cash, just the normal things that uh, that AP has done over the years. But I saw this opportunity for us to use that investigative acumen that we have and that we hold dear to be able to impact more than just that one uh, piece of the number where we could um, look at the whole and where everything connects from supply chain to stores to um, e-com and really be able to connect the dots for the company and find some of those things that could make us more profitable and much much more uh, uh, expedient in getting the um, results that we wanted by pulling in other business partners. So for me, it was changing the narrative, uh, making sure that the company and could see the value of the team that I had and that what we could bring to the table. Right. And, and Bill, you know, just, just leaning on you there a little bit, because you, you were sort of, you know, the pioneers really in, in, in pushing this forward. I remember coming to see you, you know, when I was still thinking it through and you, you sort of grasped it by the horns and said that this is something I think we could use. But there was also, it was already starting in your organization, wasn't it, in terms of thinking, you know, in terms of a broader palette of loss and, and responsibilities for that. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we had we had started to expand the, the aperture, if you will, of what we were looking at to try and, and drive a greater awareness of the value that was available to the organization. But Candidly, we were trying to also make the organization aware of the broader value we as a division could bring to that. And, you know, inherently, as a division, asset protection, loss prevention kind of hovers above the silos in retail, right? We're, we're very uniquely positioned where we get a view of the a vantage point of the organization that most folks don't get. And you can see how the organization interacts with, with itself intentionally or unintentionally. And I think that broader understanding that was just required for the work we were doing positioned us in a really positive way to be able to speak to it with credibility because we had been talking about those things already. And in the case of our, our experience at Walgreens, when Seth and I started working on, on Total Retail Loss in more earnest and using the framework and having some of those tools to tell the story, that wasn't something that was as unusual for the organization to hear from us. But I, I will bring it back to, for, for those of you on the, on the call today that may not have that, that broader um, aperture yet, that's okay too, because what happens is you go back to my earlier point, which is the undeniable value, once you start to be able to pull those, those buckets of loss out, the undeniable value that you are highlighting is something that's going to be very difficult to ignore, even if the organization is not used to hearing it from you. Once you bring it forward with some credibility, they're, gonna, they're going to want to validate it, so be prepared for that. There will be denial as a part of that conversation and questioning the data. It's all part of the process. But then once you get through that and you realize that this is a real opportunity, you're having a different conversation. And slowly but surely, the brand of the division of loss prevention asset protection starts to broaden and change. Sure, yeah. And, and Rob, if I could just come to you, if I may, in terms of, you know, when you begin to think about using this what what needs what if anything needs to change within the organization do you think you know what what what, what impact does it have in terms of that organizational component um, of thinking about this this issue yeah right now there's there's momentum for us so there's there is an appetite to see if we can have a greater impact so we're in a, a fantastic position that was all predicated on um and, and i saw one of the questions come in about you know what was the Thing that moved the needle the most for you guys and it's the same it's the answer to both for us it was it's the way we handled markdowns 
Um, We didn't capture um, markdowns in a way that allowed us to understand uh, where the problem was. For instance, if a a, a piece of furniture arrives damaged, that's not the store's fault. We can't hold them accountable. So that has to be distribution center. It's parsed out separately. But if it gets damaged two weeks after it's in the store or it's close dated over-the-counter medication or food that didn't go through the proper markdown cycle and you're just marking all of that out. Those are controllable uh, moments within a store. When we identified and parsed all of that out and put rigor around it, and then we found some grassroots programs that the stores were using, kind of a checkbook mentality to keep track of it, we realized, hey, we can create goals around this. We, we got to get the right data around it. And we moved the needle um, multiple decimal points, right? Just like shrink, I have to be secret about it, but it was significant um, and it made an immediate impact. And so now what we have is an appetite for it and other people kind of knocking on our door saying, can your team help us in other ways? And you know, how else and where else can we expand what we're doing? And so, you know, ironically, there was a call today um, at, you know, right before this is our total retail loss call to talk about this year and how, what other metrics and what other work streams that we can do. So I'm fortunately at a point now where I have, I have C-suite understanding of what we're doing and an appetite to perhaps expand it all started crawl, walk, run a year and a half ago. So we're, we're in a great place and it, you know, we're going to take advantage of not taking too much on, but just enough to make sure that, that, that profit amplification uh, mentality reaches out as far as, as it makes sense for us every year, maybe layering on a different metric. Great. Thank, thanks, Rob. It's really, it's really interesting to hear. Um, and, and, you know, Seth, just building on that around, you know, because one of the issues I often co- come up against in organizations is this, you know, why should we do this? God, you know, this, this looks really big and difficult. <laughs> you know, how do you, how do you begin to persuade, particularly the C-suite, as I've, you know, the questions popped up there, and somebody's asking a similar question in the Q and A's, which is, you know, what, what's your game play in terms of trying to persuade this, you know, the, the, the senior management to say, this is, this is a good thing for us to, to, to try out. Pamela hit on it earlier in this webinar. And um, I think the two key players that you need uh, are finance and, and technology, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, lucky for me, I report into our CFO. So it's a very easy conversation and both CFOs that I've reported into in my three year tenure here, I only got about halfway through the sentence explaining what total retail loss was and their heads were already nodding, right? That's an easy one, um, especially knowing that um, you're gonna find far more opportunity for improvement and looking across the org using the TRL strategy and model than you would at shrink. Shrink said differently, shrink is X of a problem and TRL is X times 10 of a problem, right? Why wouldn't you look at that to try to solve that? Um, from a from a technology perspective, you need to get them involved early on with the concept. So once you start with finance and you have like your CFO approval, I would immediately use that approval and uh, acknowledgement to go to technology and talk about how you foresee that occurring um, and what that partnership needs to look like. Um, so you can start to build that out. Arguably, if I had a mulligan to use, I would have gone back and done a better job of that here at REI. I did it a little bit, but not far enough. Um, So we had to kind of reset that as well and say, hey, this is gonna be the size of prize, but there's always going to be technology um, asks and requests uh, because that's where a lot of the the losses could be coming from. Yeah, I think that's a really good, that's a really good build. Um, I wanna just come on to this one because it's, and I wanna come to Bill on this if I may. and it's probably the, 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 the biggest blocker that I've seen when I've been looking at organizations trying to get moving around this, which is how do you begin? You know, the, the total retail loss has got many buckets of loss, 42 buckets of loss, potentially you could, you could begin to try and fill up with, with loss. And yet trying to get the data across organizations on this seems to be really quite challenging. Is, is that your experience, Bill, that this was, this was quite, quite a, a, you know, a moment in trying to get TRL off the ground? Yeah, I would say that it's, it's certainly um, one of the more challenging parts of the effort, for sure. Uh, I, I think, Adrian, the, the challenge is really just uh, tracking all of the data down. Uh, so yeah. my advice would be, and what we had the, the benefit of at Walgreens was a really capable 
uh, analytics group that had the capability that we needed as soon as we could find all of the data. And so it became their mission to really track all of those data sources down, bring them all into one place and start to leverage the data as a whole so they could start to really plug in the different value buckets across the framework. And that was, that was a big, big part of the early effort. Once that work was done, the, the nice thing is once you have the, the data sources identified, now you have a, a view that you can continually update and you can continue yeah. to keep an eye on. And that's, you know, when, when we talk about blockers after you get through the data challenge, um, oftentimes one of the blockers that we had is probably not quite even fair to call it a blocker, but it's really just prioritization. Where we, where we started was starting to look at some of the, the larger opportunities and bringing those to the business owners of those processes or you know, that part of the business. And in some cases, they jumped on it and they started to work towards figuring out the root cause and a solution in earnest. And in other cases, it was acknowledged after discussion and you know, review and, and what have you, but it was also acknowledged that there was other work being done that for the time being was going to deliver more value than what we were talking about. And that had to be okay too. So yeah. it wasn't a no, it was a not now. And that was the nice thing about having that visibility then ongoing, which was no problem. We'll bring back the new number, you know, after you're, you're through the work that you're doing now, understand that we have to prioritize based on value. Um, and if that number has gone up, perhaps this will rise to the, to the top of the priority list. And so it's, you know, a bit of diligence and a bit of tenacity um, to get through some of those blockers too, because sometimes the blockers are the right choice. Yeah, no, I think, I think that's, that's a very good build as well. And um, I, I want to come on because I'm co very conscious we're, not, we're running out of time. It's extraordinary how quickly this is going. Um, but Pamela, I'd, I'd just like to come to you just, just perhaps, you know, because it's, it's, always, it's always easy to, to sort of to focus on the why you shoulds. But, but I think it's always helpful, I think, to understand what some of the challenges are with this sort of thing, isn't it, as well? But it, it isn't always going to be easy, this. And that, there's, a, there's a good reason why a lot of people haven't done it. Uh, but what, what have you seen as some of the, the challenges that you've, you know, you've had to address and are addressing around this? And that's certainly come up in some of the, the Q&A questions that have, uh, have been posed. It's interesting hearing the, the other panel because everybody's a little bit in a different place in the journey. I think Rob said, uh, uh, crawl, walk, run. We might be walking right now. So I think <laughs> that um, when we started in 2019, getting a panel, hitting it strong, COVID hit, we've got to get this back in place again. So we're not through the journey yet. Um, I, I would say that the, the obstacles would be the information. I think some, some companies have a really great forum where they're able to pull very good statistics, great information. Um, and other times there's, there are, um, there's pieces of information you want to know because you, you think it connects, but trying to find it and get the right partner to get you that information, to build the, uh, building block as uh, Bill was talking about, um, sometimes it's hard to, to do. So I would say in our walk um, to get to the, the place of running would be don't try to boil the ocean, right? Figure out what you can figure out, start there. And once you get the interest of other business partners, um, you'll be able to gain more or you'll be able to invest in technology that helps solve the problems you need to help with your business. So I think that, um, our part of the journey is I would love to say we're running and we've got a, a great committee going uh, for us that we're building on the next big thing, but I feel like we're in a good place and I feel like we're continuing to build momentum. So um, it is daunting, it's a lot, um, but try to pick some uh, small wins, um, pick your one big win, make sure you have your information in front of you, get your ROI. Uh, as you present it, and you'll probably have more success driving that home. That's yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I certainly found that sense of you know adopting an in incrementalist approach. Mm -hmm. So as you say, don't try and boil the ocean step by step, and, and build slowly. But we're coming towards the end of our time, and so I just want to finish on this this last question and, and get each of you for one minute, Bill, uh, for each of you to to just give me you know, your, your, your top tips for people thinking about going on this journey. And Rob, can we start with you, please? What will be your, your advice to those thinking about embarking on a, on a TRL journey? Yeah, uh, piggybacking off of Pamela, finding that thing that you can do and execute that doesn't require all of those hurdles that you heard Seth talk about with IT. If there's something that you already have great reporting on, that you can get great clean data that doesn't require... Uh, that IT lift that we all know 
Um, I'd say we're not running yet. We're speed walking um, and we're probably <laughs> perpetually speed walking because with 42 <laughs> metrics, I don't know that we'll ever be running. Um, but when you can find that small little beginning win, even if it's manual and prove it out like we did, that can help you get perhaps some technology later to say, see what we were doing by just using our own reporting and a calculator and keeping track. And here's how we move the needle. Imagine if we had, you know, software that could do this for us that, you know, with machine learning, we could move that decimal even more. So finding that one thing that is available to you first, if you can do that and move the needle a little bit, then, then you begin to go from that crawl to walk and you start to get the momentum. Yeah. I, I like this sense of, of using analogies of walking and speed walking. So Seth, are you running? Are you walking? Are you sleepwalking? <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> no, we are absolutely walking. We're, we're uh, probably very close to where Pamela and team are at. Um, and mostly because of what happened in 2020. Otherwise, yeah. we might be speed walking, dare I say, skipping. But um, so I think there's... <laughs> I think there's four things is one, start with a few losses, right? Your third to the bottom question there uh, talks about losses, costs, and margin eroders. Losses are easier for folks to understand, right? When you start talking costs and how you calculate that and, and margin eroders, like you're going to confuse the folks that you need to get on your side about total retail loss. So start with losses if you can. I'm sure once you explain what uh, TRL is to folks, you're going to have folks in the organization that say, hey, I think I have something that qualifies. That's certainly happened to me uh, yeah. multiple times. The second thing is, and, and Bill touched on it, is you got to be really, really good with data. If you're not um, challenged by your data, if you haven't seen something or your data analytics team hasn't brought something to your attention that is like a head scratcher that you've never seen before, I don't think you're good enough with that data. Um, you need to challenge yourself. You need to build out that capability either in the total org or in, in your APLP org. And then the last two things are, are what folks have already talked about is CFO alignment, IT alignment. I think if you have those things, that's a great start for you. Seth, thanks for that. That's excellent. And, and Bill, just, just finishing off with you, you know, what, what are your, what's your advice? You, you've been on this journey a while. I think you, you, you might almost have wings. I don't know, but... Uh... <laughs> Uh, you've been I, had them in. I had to turn them in, Adrian. <laughs> uh, I'll say that the so echo echo so far Robin Seth's uh, sentiments. I think data driven approach. Let the data drive the whole thing because data is objective and it's difficult to argue with. And then find some really good examples that are going to allow you to tell some good stories. The storytelling and kind of the building of the vignettes around the opportunity was what really helped us right. ground everyone in the concept. And so don't forget to tell the story after you have the data to back it up. Otherwise, I think spot on with the, the other comments that have been made. Yeah, no, I think I think that's that's incredibly helpful is, is, is trying because it can be difficult to explain this concept. It's, 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 it's breaking boundaries, isn't it, in terms of, you know, and, and I think one of the things I found was it's, quite easy to step on other people's toes who may have responsibility for them in some of these areas. And it's understanding their sensitivities, I think, is an important element of this. But we, we're coming to the end of our time. I can't believe we've, we've, we've whisked through nearly an hour. It's been, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to, to you this afternoon, this evening, this morning, whatever time it is. And, and, I'm, and we didn't quite get through all the questions. I'm sorry to those who were asking Q&A questions. I got rather absorbed with the long list of questions that I had for our speakers, but hopefully we'll have another opportunity in the near future to perhaps continue this conversation as, as, the, as the development of TRL continues within the industry. And I'm sure there's going to be more learning that we can all share. And, and I agree with Pamela's view, particularly that, you know, that, that the industry is opening up a lot more. I think it's been remarkable what's happened in the last 12 months. It's been a very grim time in lots of different ways. But I think as an industry, I think it's really shone in terms of st standing up and taking responsibility and really helping organisations deal with what has been a horrific time for the industry. So thank you to all of you for your time and your thoughts this afternoon. It's been an absolute pleasure. And I'll hand back to Jack now to, uh, to finish off. Thanks, Adrian. Uh, thanks, panel. That was a great conversation. Uh, I hope we can do some more of this. Uh, I think that uh, you look at, at some of the questions we had, I think that the more we learn about this, uh, the more people want to learn uh, a little bit more. So um, before we wind things up, I want to remind everyone that this webinar will be available on demand for the next 90 days or so. Uh, you should be receiving an email reminder with a link to the presentation. 
There will also be a link on the webinar page of the LP Magazine website at losspreventionmedia.com. I want to thank everyone for attending today's webinar. Thanks again to Adrian, Pamela, Rob, Seth, Bill, Guy, and especially to our sponsor, Zebra Analytics. Thank you for your time. Stay warm, stay safe, and have a great day. Thanks, Jack. Take care, everybody. You're listening to the LPM Podcast.